This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. We're going to get right into topic here in just a moment. <clears throat> Before we do that, I want to encourage you to go to practicalshepherding.com and click on the Shepherd's House link. I want to invite you to come stay at the cabin that we partner with, a family who owns it. And you can come up to two days and two nights, Jim, to stay at the Shepherd's House. And guess how much it costs? Uh, it doesn't cost you anything. It Brian. doesn't cost anything. I guess it's free. So good guess. So come stay. It's this cabin, <clears throat> the pictures don't do it justice. That's true. Six, six bedrooms on cabin on 180 acres, stocked ponds, hiking trails. It's just incredible. And maybe a chance to meet Brian Croft. N- that very unlikely. I won't be there if you're there. But you know, <laughs> but if I get invited, or some down, mentor, maybe I can, or some mentor. That's right. Yeah. But we will. And we provide a pastoral mentor. Probably won't be me, but you'll have a pastoral mentor to come and. and it, it could might be, me. be Jim actually. It's, I, if actually that might motivates be you at all to come. <laughs> I don't think that would. <laughs> so it might not be me. The, that may help you. The Shepherd's House is free for two days, two nights. You had to apply to stay. We just wrapped it for the summer. We give it. We only have it eight months of the year, so we have it again in August. So we have it all fall 2023. Encourage you to go on the website and just go to the, the button where you apply to stay. Our staff gets that and processes. I see all the applications and would love for you to come and just let us know. You heard me say something on the podcast that Brian invited me on the podcast to come and uh, stay at the Shepherd's House. So we would love for you to be able to do that. We want to be able to provide a place for free for you to be able to come and rest. You can actually bring your wife with you, too, if you'd like. You cannot bring your kids, though, and that's on purpose. So you can bring your wife. You can't bring your kids, or you can just come by yourself, whatever you'd like to do. So hope you can come and, and stay with us. And also just let us know how we can serve you. If you go to the Contact button on the website, you can reach us and really request whatever you need from the ministry. We'll do all we can to try to help. That's that's what we're trying to do, provide these free resources, knowing most pastors don't have resources and budgets to be able to, to get help. So we want to be able to help in any way we can, including talking about the topic we're going to talk about today, Jim. And this is a topic that we assume a lot of pastors <clears throat> are feeling the pressure with, and that is the, the pressure to have constant hot takes in our, in our churches. Let me explain what that means, and then we can dive into it. Just the idea that pastors are obligated to comment on every event, cultural dynamic that happens in society and, and just our, our culture, and that one, we're supposed to comment on it, and two, we're supposed to know what we're talking about, and three, we're supposed to to be right about it. So right. that, that, that pressure exists on, I would say, on every pastor. With some of it's self-inflicted. Some of it is actually put on them by the, the congregation. But what we want to talk about today is we want to just first acknowledge that that is the reality for most all pastors who are expected to have color commentary on all these different events of mm-hmm. life. So the question is, when does a pastor address these things as a part of his ministry and to care for his flock? And when is there a time that a pastor should specifically not say something about this? And, you know, Go ahead and let's set it up biblically, Jim. But I, but I want to ask listeners: just go ahead and be thinking about the categories that you whether it, you know just from politics to you know to sports to events that's happening or whatever it is. So but let's first set it up biblically, Jim. What what kind of text can guide us here? Yeah, and Brian, I think as we look at the Word of God, we're gonna we're gonna I think the answer is going to be that it's it, it's not always and it's not never. And so this is these are the waters we're going okay, to navigate. Okay, there you go. Yep. All right. So Brian, I think Ephesians chapter four tells us that Christ gives uh, leaders to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, <clears throat> teachers for the equipping of the body, 
for the work of ministry, for the upbuilding of the body, uh, so that people aren't tossed and driven about by every wind and wave of doctrine, that they have a stability. The hope is to bring people up to a maturity. It's the recognition that uh, believers live in a, in a real world, uh, and so as the gospel has gone forth throughout the world, uh, there is a way in which a, a pastor has to rightly contextualize uh, what he's going to teach and what he's going to preach so that as I've said, you take a passage like Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 means the same thing. It has a meaning. It has meant the same thing since the Apostle Paul wrote it. There is a danger of interpreting it differently as an American than you do as a, as a, Thai, as a Thai pastor or a Chinese pastor. Yep. And my argument has always been you don't interpret it differently, though you will apply it differently uh, in its particular context. But we have to recognize that we are, among other things, equipping God's people to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We're equipping them with truth and with doctrine. We're giving them the ability to have, we trust with their uh, impact with the word, the mind of Christ, to help them to go out and to live, to live holy lives. Uh, Paul wrote to Titus and he told them that they were uh, in, a, in an environment, the Cretan environment, where there were... Uh, idleness and gluttony and, and all of the rest. He said, these things are true, therefore rebuke them sharply so that they can be sound in the faith. So that there was a recognition, this is the culture in which the word of God has come. You see it also in Paul's letter to the Ephesians that there was a darkness around them and a more immorality around them. They needed to be instructed how to live godly in Christ Jesus uh, in that environment. And, and so part of that was going to be instruction. Part of that was, look, this is how the world is. This is how God wants you to live. And so there needed to be some application of the word of truth to the society uh, in which they lived. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> let's start with, let's go back and forth on what are topics that pastors, I think, would generally feel pressure at least by some in their congregation, or maybe self-inflicted, to have to to have to comment on publicly in sermons or things. So I'll go first. I mean, I'll I'll throw out the obvious one is politics, right? You know, so so many pastors feel the pressure that I'm supposed to uh, share about my political opinions on this. Now, part of that is because pastors have really strong political opinions and they just want to share about them. Others feel the pressure from their congregation. To share that, like you're supposed to guide us right. in how to vote in an election, right? Or yeah, not. Right, right. So I would. That's that's a really that, that's that's kind of the elephant in the room in my mind. That's a really obvious one. Yeah. But what's another topic you would say pastors feel generally pressured to have to comment publicly? Uh, particular on? cultural issues uh, that come up uh, that are you know, whatever's trending on Twitter, uh, whatever the latest uh, celebrity thing is, the latest corporate thing is. So. And, and, and so I don't know if it's even profitable to mention certain specifics right now because that's going to change in a week or in a month or if somebody downloads yeah. this a year from now, they're going to think, what in the world are you talking about? But there are certain things right now that are all the rage uh, that have their, their hashtags that thousands or hundreds of thousands of people are currently commenting on. Uh, that are part of the culture of zeitgeist right now that are going to just come and go. And the question is, do I, do I um, throw that out there? Do I throw out a hashtag? Do I comment on the latest thing happening? Brian, we're recording this in, I will mention this, we're recording this in June. Uh, so the, the month of June has been whoever decreed this, this is Gay Pride Month. 
that's going to be everywhere in everybody's face. Um, you're not going to be able to, to shop anywhere without, without a rainbow flag, without something happening that's going to compel us. Every major league organization is going to have a pride day. What in the world that has to do with baseball, I'm, I'm not particularly sure, but it's not a day, it's not a week, it's an entire month. Uh, that's the kind of thing probably, you know, can that be ignored in one way? Yeah, I mean, what, what's changed from what I would have said in May or what I would have said a year ago versus now? And I think but it's, it's in our face right now in a way that it was. So that's one thing, some yeah, cultural yeah, things. Yeah, that's so good. You're asking, you're asking so that, a cultural thing. Yeah, that's a good example. I, I do want to comment on that a minute. I think that the tension is, not because a lot of times we might say, "Oh, I got to say something about this because it's in my face," right. or no, actually, I mean, it's like a made-up right. month. I'm because of that. I'm actually not going to acknowledge that because it's almost baiting me to ha- right. to, to say talk about something I normally wouldn't. Except this is the month. I think I just want to acknowledge that's the tension right. that pastors think. No, I need to comment on this because of this, or no, actually. I'm I'm not gonna acknowledge it because right. it doesn't exist in our in right. our world right. Wh- right. whatever it is. Okay, um, I think local events um, in the community mm. becomes a pressure point, and so I'll just speak for for us who live in Louisville, Kentucky, as we're recording this. Um, and you know, in the last couple of years, there's been some significant events that happened in Louisville, Kentucky that yeah. that got national yeah. and even global press. Right. So uh, I think that... Uh, Are you talking I, about your retirement? Well, I mean, it's down the line. Okay. But yeah, yeah, my retirement. <laughs> no, not exactly. Uh, but I am talking about things like um, uh, Breonna Taylor. Yeah, right. I'm talking about exactly. the, ri- the, the riots. I'm talking about, um, you know, there's um, there was a, there was a, a, a shooting a few weeks yeah, ago. Right. I had, uh, I knew you one of the victims. Right? I knew one of the victims. Right. Uh, so I had some family who was a very close friend to him, to one of the victims that that was shot in, in that bank shooting, and 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 which obviously got national you know, recognition. Right. And so you know, I think this is a pressure point. And by the way, I would I would just say we'll get into this in a minute. When do you comment? When you don't? But I do think the things that happen in our communities is is a bit is something we should take a bit more stock in whether we should be commenting because even just with that with the shooting that happened here. I noticed the way that affected people locally because it mm. happened just down the road. Right. In and a yeah, way that it, when it's across the country, it yeah, doesn't impact There's a same. lot that we could get yeah, into because sure. it's fascinating. I know certain doctors had said that actually it was kind of a normal day for them in the ER. What made it unusual was was where it took place and, yeah, and, that's right. and the people that's that right. were the victims. You got another topic? Yeah. Another topic? Well, uh, um, I'm going to say ecclesiastical things. Okay. Yep. Um, Certain events happen. Um, uh, the Houston Chronicle comes out with the article about the, the Southern Baptist yep. uh, sex abuse allegations. Yep. Uh, or there's another diocese uh, in one state. I think uh, Illinois had something came out in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, the Asbury outpouring or slash revival yeah. uh, that, that took place. Um, Let's talk about that a minute because... We live an hour and a half from Asbury. Your son just graduated from there. My wife went to Asbury as, yeah. as a college student, and that was that's a great example. Let's talk about that a minute because you and I, you and I both witnessed this. Everybody did the the within almost it felt like minutes. Yeah, people had these all these hot takes started showing. I I mean, was, I there's about two or three moments in the last decade where I've said. Th- 
because of this, I almost just totally got off social media. I did it get drove off. Me so nuts. It, it is. It is so, the. It was the final straw that got me off social the, media. The, the Asbury takes almost. You know, and, and it, just all the different versions yeah, of that almost got me it, off. Yeah, because, and what and and it was because of the fact that you're, you're trying. You people with speaking with very little knowledge, as though they have exhaustive knowledge. Those who had. And, and I'm not saying I'm not saying anything pro or con here. Uh, I have my own I have my own thoughts that are still developing. It, it, but the but the reality of it is that you know to try to have a definitive discussion of something that happened four seconds ago uh, and to marshal everything as though as though you know and that and that yeah. was the problem of yeah, it. You know, that was hard. It's not just do we address it; it's how we address it, and it's when we address it. And it's do I have the uh, you know, but but it gets back to Brian. The thought, you know, people said that my followers are asking me. You know, everybody feeling so much pressure <laughs> on the four followers I have on Twitter to to address how I feel like I need to give. A, 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 you yeah. know, to, and, and so whether it's Asbury or you know, Paige Patterson or uh, whether it's you know what, whatever the latest thing is that's come out. Yeah. To yeah. You know, so there's no waiting. There's there's no evaluating. It is I immediately know everything I need to say about this, or that people want me to immediately address everything there is to say about it. Yeah, and actually, in what you're talking about, there's what I'm noticing because I I'm a big documentary guy, so yeah. I've noticed this. Like there's there's more and more just documentaries coming out on kind of megachurch scandal stuff and and and, you know and it's all over the internet so do you you know and it obviously affects church life in so many different ways do we are we supposed to comment on that because it's a little more close to home i mean all the stuff that happened you know i mean i i've been closely tied to southern baptists and churches for many many years in different ways you know is is there because this is a little more closer at home, should Southern Baptist pastors be making comments about, you know, the Houston Chronicle article that, that came out a few years ago around that stuff? So, yeah, I think this is a, this is a really important piece to it because it's one of those things that makes it feel close to home. I think for certain right. churches. So, all right, let's let's shift the conversation now to. Right, so, how does a pastor how does a pastor maneuver through when he should say something publicly and when he shouldn't? Yeah. Where do we start with that, Jim? All right, so I, I think we we need to ask ourselves first of all: is this is this a matter that is within our lane? And what I mean by that is, you know, I mean, if, so if we found out that there was, um, you know, a particle accelerator somewhere out in Southern California that hit a certain, I'm, I'm going to give all kinds of, of of scientific gibberish that doesn't make any sense, and I don't even know any attack, but I'm just going to say, so some particle accelerator that 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 did some quasar. Uh, type thing that resulted in a court something or other uh, I would feel and it was all in the news I wouldn't feel any need to comment on that you right? don't say you know, yeah, I'm like, just saying so my question is <laughs> is it in our wheelhouse yeah is it the kind of thing that affects God's people is it the kind of thing the Bible would talk about would so sec, uh, yeah, that's scan, a good scandal among God's people yeah uh, matters of sexuality yes uh uh, even matters, certain matters of, 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 of you know, we, we can't pretend that we live in a political less society. 
it affects everything that we do. It, it affects our, 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 our lives. It affects our livelihoods. Mm-hmm. It affects our freedom. Yeah. It affects our ability to speak and to teach and to preach. And so there are certain things that we say, okay, th- this is, so the question I'm asking in that is, is it in our wheelhouse? That is, okay. and though the Bible, you say, well, the Bible addresses everything. Yes, it does, but it also addresses certain things in particular. Good. And so the question is, does the Bible address it? And then the second question, I don't know, maybe I'm going to step on your toes, is this affecting our people? So a guy out in Kalamazoo, did he have to address what happened in Louisville? Well, no, uh, but might I might might it be something that I would have to say something about here yeah. because it does affect not just God's people in general, but my people in particular. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. I, I would, and trying to think about how do you, how do you know when to say something? I, I, I feel that I first would want to acknowledge this, that uh, social media has done something terrible to every person in the world now. I'm going to make a gross generalization. <laughs> yeah. But, it's, but I'm going to make a gross generalization to make a point because I yeah. think it's fairly accurate. Social media has created this environment that if I have an opinion on anything, yeah. I should share it with everybody. Right. And when was that ever a good rule? Ever. So I, I just want to say first that in regard to pastors trying to think about, do I need to comment on this mm-hmm. or not? You need to, just because you have an opinion does not mean you need to share it. Right. And I, 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 that may sound basic, but I want to start there. Because I think pastors think I'm a pastor, so I should comment on everything, and right. I'm just going to share my opinion about things. And I have yet to see that not go bad eventually for a pastor. Yeah. Proverbs 18, Brian, it says, and I think it's a very important text in this regard. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it to him it is folly and shame. And I think that not just where he hears it, but before he really knows you know, what's being said. And so sometimes you get, you, you, you hear about an event, you, 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 and then you, you hop online, you hop on Twitter, you hop on Facebook and you write a paragraph or two about it, or you give your whatever, how many characters you're allowed now on, on, on Twitter uh, to say something about it. And you find out later on you're wrong or that that wasn't uh, an accurate piece of information like happened a lot during COVID. I found this article, I found this YouTube, I found this nurse who said, I found a doctor who said, who, who agrees with exactly what my suspicions are. It's like, you know, really uh, what, yep. it came, what it came yep. down to. And then you later find out, well, you know what, that's actually not a very, very good thing. And, very, and rarely were those things retracted. Rarely did a, a believer come back and say, uh, I shared a piece of information that turned out was inaccurate. Accuracy matters to me. I repent of what I did. I yep. scrubbed it. I think we need to be able to, if we're going to do that, we need to hold ourselves to a very high standard, um, a, a really almost a sense of journalistic standard to, to say, um, you know, our job as pastors is to open and expound the word. Uh, we have opinion, sure, but so does everybody. And, and and we have to be very careful in the sharing of them because we do have certain uh, – uh, uh, we, we hope we have a certain gravitas with people – but they're going to, you know, tend to think what we think is more important because we maybe know our Bibles well, but we're really just giving our opinion. So I, I have gotten grief in the past that uh, from a few folks that have kind of pushed me to say, you know, because our ministry has a decent following on social media, and that that we have been pushed to like you need to comment about this, right? You need to say something about this, and I can remember the times that people have have come and kind of pushed me a bit on that. 
I, I every time I've just responded is like, actually, I don't like wh- who says what Twitter rule is out there. Right. That if you have a certain amount of followers, you are obligated to make a comment right. about this. I've been on Twitter for ten years, and uh, I'm I'm thankful that I don't. If I'm trying to remember. I don't ever recall ever having to try to apologize for something I said on Twitter. And I would largely say that is because I don't ever use Twitter to share my opinion about events taking place in the world. Right. And, and you I have think a lane. Just, I mean, I, it just gets us in trouble. Right. I mean, but I'm just saying that that part. I think pastors and congregations have to function in a similar way. It's not that you don't have an opinion. The Asbury Revival, Jim, you and I talked about it a lot because we're yeah. both invested there. I never said one thing publicly on on social media about the Asbury Revival. That is should not at all be a reflection. I don't have a ton of opinions. Yeah, I didn't about either. This. And of course, you know, I mean, I, and I knew more than what a lot of people knew. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't say anything. But I think it. that's why. By the way, we're talking about that. Those who I will share this. Those who are curious. I think Tim Booker is the expert to go and just read about and listen to when he was writing. I, I, I just throw that out there because <clears throat> because he truly did have the expertise, I think, to evaluate some of these kinds. Of, and, and he did. But yeah, but I would say too, Brian, and this is one of the things. I mean, if you, I, just, I will touch this much on this is that some of the people there, even Dr. Brown, who's the president of the institution, said, "We're not going to know for another ten years." You know, I mean, what's the impact of it? What, what really thing to, happened yeah, here is that, you know, ask us 10 years from now. Yeah. By the way, revi- history of revival says the same thing to us. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, but and this is part of the era in which we live, in which we do have the ability. We know things. So what happened there? I mean, people were coming from all over the world. Within hours, people were booking flights <laughs> no, to come it was, there. It was just a wild if, thing if to If that watch, had I happened, know. when... when, when um, when Adoniram Judson's wife died, her parents didn't know for eight months. <laughs> right, because they because were... Because that's how long it took to yeah, write a letter right. and get it on a boat and, and get it over there. Yeah. We would have, they would have known within seconds today. Yeah. And so events that took place even in, in the past in, in one part of the country, people didn't know. And, and if you had to write something about it, you had to... You, you, you had to actually write about it. You had, I mean, you had to take a quill and you know dip it in ink. Um, one of the things I, I have said that I've really appreciated about, so I, I, I hold, you know, we, we talked about this, out of the 1689 London Baptist Confession. That is, in a lot of ways, um, it is built on the Westminster and it's built on the, uh, what's called the Savoy Declaration, the Congregationalists. And there are points in which they disagreed. The disagreements that they have with those institute or with those previous documents on, on issues like baptism took years, decades for them to digest before they actually wrote it themselves. Yeah. yeah. In, the, in the age of Twitter, you know, had the Westminster come out and all these Baptists had jumped on Twitter, it would have been a very different thing than saying, "Look, I, I've allowed what you have said to marinate." For 30 years, 40 years before I have officially yeah. commented on it. That's good. Uh, I like that. And, and I think that that ability to be patient, and one of the things you find if you're patient is that, well, nobody's talking about it anymore. And that what seemed so urgent last week is suddenly uh, not so urgent. Yeah. You know, And you say, well, I wanted to read about it. I wanted to study about it before I say anything publicly. Well, people don't like that. People don't want that because Twitter and Facebook – in a lot of ways, you, you don't get clicks by being modest in your proposals. You get it by being um, getting people provoked. So I, 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 if there's anything I want 
pastors to hear from this is that we are in a very unique age where we are feeling more pressure than ever yeah. to not just have a hot take, but have it immediately in a way that you're talking about. Historically, we, you know, there was a process you had to go through right. before you anybody could see your opinion, unless right. you're standing next to them or if you're going right. to write it down and whatnot. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that I think just we want to be able to communicate from this conversation is that I think it takes a pastor, everybody for that, but pastors who have public platforms to preach and all those kind of things, we have to be extra mindful of how quickly we react to something and say it. Because, and I mean, I, I kind of cringe every time I, in one sense, it's, it's admirable to see people retract something they said <laughs> online. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, so like, but and especially people who seem to almost have a pattern of I got to retract what I said. It's just, right. So we we live in this culture and mindset on social media of I've got to respond immediately, and that's usually never good. Right. <laughs> in right. Any, for any of us, I want to shift to I want to shift to politics though, Jim, because I think this is the one that in a lot of our churches hits really close to home. Right. Most church members think pastors should be talking about it at least to some degree. So there's differing levels of this. Let's start, like, how have you, and by the way, with just kind of the extremes I think about, you know, I, I think about a, you know, I think about a Mark Dever who pastors in the nation's capital mm-hmm. for 25 plus years, the same right. church, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, right. and I know that church well, know Mark, and, and the dynamic, the political dynamics are kind of unlike anything, anywhere you would able to see being right there on the hill. Right. Mark has somehow pastored there for two and a half mm, decades yeah. and has, has, remained pretty, you know, just fully away from contra- political controversy when he preaches. And he has, I think, just cleverly and brilliantly figured out how to do that in a place that almost would seem impossible to do it. Mm. Then you have pastors over here who are like, you know, like having like presidential, you know, pr- presidential uh, candidates, candidates right, coming right. to their church. Yeah, left so like, and right. So, yeah, so you know, you, what you want to put that out, but how, how should we, how would you encourage Jim uh, a pastor to think about how he should address, let's say, politics in an election and a presidential election year. How do you would counsel and advise him? It, well, Brian, that's it's changing, and this is I ha- I have to recognize and realize that some of this is different than it was. So this was easier, uh, brother. It was easier thirty years ago than it is today. Um, 1992, I preached a series on uh, on the on the Christian and civil magistrate. Uh, prior to the uh, Bush one and, uh, and and Bill Clinton election. And part of that was just to touch on, does the Bible talk about, and I went through a series of things uh, on, on uh, I, I dealt with the environment, I dealt with abortion, I dealt with uh, sexuality, I can't remember. But also then the, just a general view um, of the Christian and the political process. Now, I, I say this as I, I hope exegetically, but I am I am also a Baptist, and 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 that does have a, a different way than some of the what were called the more magisterial reformers in the past who tied in church and state in a way that Baptists have never really uh, been comfortable with. Um, but the you know even what it meant to be conservative was very different than you know under Reagan than it is in the in the current sure, you know yeah. uh, MAGA state you yeah. know kind of a thing, 
um, and there was a consensus almost. Uh, there was a general Christian evangelical consensus that seems to no longer be there. And so I think what you try to do is try to help people to think in terms of, uh, for me, uh, having the mentality of, that Jeremiah sought to give to the Babylonian exiles or to the Jews living in Babylon, and that is to recognize that there is a stranger, uh, we are in a str- strangers in a strange land, there is a pilgrim element to our faith, a sojourner element to our faith that sometimes gets confused in the American system sure. because, yep. because yep. we have had this uh, unusual Christian impact in, in, in the political realm. Uh, but that we so part of that though is you pray for the land in which you live you you cultivate faithfulness you do because in their prosperity is your prosperity so there's a recognition I want to do as much good as I can to the city the the, the nation in which I live I think in terms of my children my grandchildren I think I'm thinking 40 50 60 70 80 90 years ahead uh, and and what is going to be most helpful to them part of that is part of the political process some of these things are the, that politics and morality do blend in a way that maybe they didn't always seem to do um, yep. in the past. So yep. again, my job is to help God's people to think rightly, to pray rightly. Uh, we are told to pray for magistrates and for those kings and rulers and those in authority under the end that we can live quiet and peaceable lives with the recognition that we desire the gospel to, 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 to progress. I think that we can do that. And again, keeping in, in, in line, what is our job? What's our lane? We are exegetes. We are preachers of the word. And so those are the things I think that how do we help God's people to pray and to think and to live and to give them the principles by which they are then going to evaluate what am I going to do when I step into step into the, the, the voters uh, booth? Uh, in light of that, not hey, here's straight line ticket what you do, and and you know, but, but you know, we will provide voter guides and things like that for for others. But I think that we need to stick to what's our job as as preachers and and give the word to help God's people to think and evaluate where they are. Yeah, so I, I let me get practical, just practical as you wrap here. That I, I I found that it was important for me as a pastor to find the balance between. I don't want to cross the line where I should be, you know, sharing more opinions, even though I may have them, sharing more opinions publicly as a pastor, encouraging people to think like me about mm-hmm. some of these things. Right. But I also learned the hard way that if you don't say anything, mm-hmm. you communicate you don't care. Right. So what I learned from that, here's the balance approach I took, and that was in an election year, I did I made sure I unapologetically did a few things. One is uh, I acknowledged the presidential election publicly. I uh, encouraged people to vote. You're, you know, you're a citizen of the United States. Not every country has this privilege. You should, you should vote. And third, you should vote your conscience based on what your biblical convictions are right. that you understand God's word right. teaches. And I, I emphasize those three things every political round without saying vote this person or without even saying vote on these issues. I think right. in my mind I still get uncomfortable with with trying to call those things out, but I but I do want to emphasize that because I do th- I did go for a short time to an extreme on a few issues that found unhelpful people actually didn't think I cared. So the last thing I want to say from a from a, a practical standpoint you alluded to it, I think one of the best ways to deal with a lot of these things whether it's politics or whether it's a shooting in the city that happened or, you know, whatever it might be is to 
involve that in you know, like a pastoral prayer time. Mm. Like we can pray. I can pray for for I can pray for President Biden right now without revealing how whether I like him or not as a president. Mm-hmm. I can pray for my you know for for my uh, civil leaders. We can pray, and I think we should pray regularly. We can pray and acknowledge them. I think that's the part of Romans 13 that we're acknowledging yeah. these are the we're leaders. First Timothy two, and, and I think, but I think we have to be mindful to not cross that line because we can do that, and we can communicate opinions about things. And I think that's where it's, we start to be unhelpful. The same with events that take place, like yeah. you know, for local churches praying for people who lost their lives in a shooting that happened five miles away from the church. That's probably a good thing to talk about and acknowledge right. and pray about in even controversial things like like race riots and other things that have that have taken place in the city to acknowledge things because we all see that they're happening but to try to stay away from sharing strong opinions about it as a general template Jim I think that's actually a, a helpful way to approach most of these things any final word on how how to encourage to find that balance yeah I, I think you can find some help from the past and and that is you know, there are certain preachers that have been read for hundreds of years and and read with profit. Uh, and you take, take some more modern examples. For me, two modern examples, well, more modern examples are from the 1800s. But Charles Spurgeon and, and J.C. Ryle. You're going to be, those are both men who believed in the adage of, you know, you have the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. You never allowed the newspaper yeah. to interpret the Bible, right. but you would allow the Bible to interpret the newspaper. That's actually something, I think, I've, I looked it up, and Carl Bart actually said that. Not a guy I generally want to look at for my, um, uh, you know, <laughs> but but I think he's right. I think he's right there, but it's all, Ryle brought this out as well, and I, I'm trying, I was trying to find the quotation. I think it's in his book, Holiness. Where he makes the same kind of comments that there there are things you're going to comment culturally certain cultural zeitgeist certain things that are out there yep, yep. but when you read them in the main that's not what come what comes across is that this seems contemporary because it was eternal yep. that's what makes it contemporary that's why i can pick up and read some, a sermon from the 1600s where if he was fixating on charles the first said and you know you you could read you could read through all of Ryle and not know who was the prime minister yeah. or, or who had run or, you know, now for the, by, by and large, they weren't caught up with that. You read the apostle Paul, you don't know who's like, who was the emperor during this? You don't yeah. know because good point. In, in a sense, it wasn't really what was going on. There were all kinds of things happening uh, when the apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans that he could have addressed. But he, but the reason we read it 2000 years later with so much joy is because there was a focus on that which is eternal. That's an excellent point. It, that it, it's in, which is why it's just a good rule. Just preach, preach through the Bible I and mean, preach the Word, because Paul focused on the things that we really that were right. eternal that we needed to focus on. And last, my last word on that: just be careful to. I mean, be careful to jump on trendy bandwagons because that's yeah. exactly what they are. And in two years, and three years, four years, they're they're not talked about at all. Like we we know we know churches that literally split over things from less than three keepers. years ago so that whether the, you should have nobody promise, even you know, talks, about talks about it, about it anymore. So right. I just I'm saying we just need to be you know be faithful to to preach the Bible uh, and be careful with how quickly you share your opinions, but don't ignore the things that are certainly happening around you that your congregation is clearly aware is going on. So Jim, we take a minute and pray for wisdom around that. Sure. 
Father in heaven, we do pray you would help us uh, in the day and age in which we live to, to prove faithful, Lord, to preach the word in season, out of season. Uh, Lord, to uh, have the confidence that with the scriptures, we are thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, help us, Lord, unto that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.